0: couple years to be ready to march into the promised land that was the intention that was the point so if you are in uh pull out your bible november uh november numbers 13 and 14 (laughs) not back to november thank you um numbers 13 and 14 is where we're at so we have gotten to the climax the uh The people of God have been, they left Egypt, they went to Sinai to worship God, and they met Him, they met His presence, and all this amazing stuff God did in training them and brought them now to the border, to the edge of the promised land. This promise is about to be fulfilled. And um, so, I want to ask you a question before we... Dig into the text. What has God promised you? What has God promised you personally? What has God promised you as a family? What has God promised you as a church? What has God promised us? Think about that. And a lot of it's right here, right in Scripture. Maybe there's some specific things God's spoken to you um, but uh, maybe God's promised something particular to you. But a lot of us right here things like what he said to Abraham. I'm going to bless you and make you a blessing. I'm going to make you a great nation, a great, just, holy nation. And I'm going to make them a blessing to all nations of the world. That's a promise we are grafted into. He's promised us specifically back in uh, the day before Jim Olson, Lloyd Jacobson, Bob Force, back to uh, Helen Jepson, talked about a rose blooming in the desert, and that picture we had as leaders of uh, rose cracking through the pavement. Felt like St. Paul was kind of a hard place to crack, kind of a wilderness, but that there was going to be a bloom, a back to Eden, and uh, God has fulfilled that. We called us to be a mosaic, to he call us to radiate life and joy as a house of prayer for all nations, and. God has done that, and there's more to be done. We have promises that God is waiting to do for us and for you. So, I'm going to give you a minute to think about that. What has God promised you? And then what have you already received of his promises? And then what are you still waiting to receive? about that finally what's holding you back from receiving what is yet to be received individually as a family as a church is there anything holding holding back so I'm going to give you a minute to uh, to talk to your neighbor about that and you can make it, you know, you can talk about whatever's, whatever you want to talk out of the, all those questions. Okay? Talk to somebody next to you and move by somebody if you're not by somebody. Give you a few minutes to talk about that while I, I go get our guest speaker today. Okay? <coughs> Attention! Good to have you all here today thanks for coming. took me a long time to get here, but it's been a long time, good time. good to have you here. So I'm here to talk about the worst day in my life. Um, man, I had some good days in my life. Fantastic days, fantastic victories. I would love to tell you about those. but not here to talk about those. I thought you need to hear about the worst day in my life. so Let me back up. You remember our forefather Abraham, right? Promise? Going to be a great nation. Remember him? Yep. You're going to be a great nation. You're going to bless all nations. I'm going to give you this land. And all those years, he got one son. Remember that? And then eventually, all this stuff happened, and... Great nation. But then we were stuck. Lots of people stuck as slaves in Egypt. Then God did something amazing. He said, I'm going to get you out of there. So, you know, you know the guy Moses? You heard of Moses, my boss? Yeah. He was a good boss. But uh, anyways, Moses, my boss. He went to Pharaoh and said, Yahweh wants you to let my people go. He said, who's Yahweh. So Yahweh answered him. The Lord showed up and whacked Egypt and got them out of the way. God's power was amazing. You remember drowning in the sea? I was there. The whole Egyptian army wiped out. Wow. And then then we were in the desert. We were hungry, and God showed he could provide for us. And then the Amalekites came. Whoa, that was something. The Amalekites attacked us, and I got to lead the army out to the Amalekites. And, and man, it was, and I was working all my strategy and all my strength and all my skill and everything I could do. But whoa, oh, sometimes we were losing, sometimes we were gaining. I didn't, I didn't quite understand what was going on, but we won the victory completely. Then later, I heard the real story. It wasn't even about me. It was about my boss up on the hill going, yep, holding his hands up. What in the world? I was there with a sword, and it wasn't even about me. I just about got killed because he put his hands down. i get your hands up. And fortunately, uh, we won the battle. But that gave me the clue, because they said, write it down for Yeshua. Yeah, that's me, Joshua. Well, my name used to be Hosea, but Moses changed my name. Because, you know, Hosea means salvation, but after that, it was obviously Yahweh is salvation, Yeshua. Yahweh is salvation. Makes sense because it was Yahweh that saved the day. It was not me. I, I got the picture when they told me that story. It's like yeah, you know, swords are rememberable. You know, um, so um, we yeah we got through all that and, and then we we got to Sinai. God told us to go worship Him in the desert, and He met us at Sinai. I mean, it was amazing. Sinai was something else. His presence on this mountain, unforgettable. And, and Moses went, out, went up for 40 days and, and met with God. And I was up there kind of keeping watch for him. And he came back, and the people of Israel had rebelled, and you, you know all that whole mess. But anyways, then, then we built a tabernacle, a place for God's presence to be with us and to come with us. God's God, the Creator's presence to to march with us, it was amazing. And then we we counted the warriors, everybody above 20. How many males above 20? It, it was, God had fulfilled his promise. There was an army of people. And we got silver trumpets to announce, and we figured out our battle formation, and we, when the cloud moved, we marched out of there. We stopped when it stopped. We started when it started, and we we were on our way. And we marched, we marched to the border of the land that God had promised to Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. I had just heard from my parents and grandparents and great-great-great-grandparents 500 years ago, this was promised. But it was said, now the time is not right. It's not time to bring justice on the Canaanites. Their evil's not full yet. But, now was the time. We had finished our training in the wilderness. It was time to receive what God had promised for 500 years. Was I excited? Yeah. So, so then <clears throat> I figured out, well, you know, decided we should research. We should spy out the land. We should figure out how we're going to do this invasion. So they chose 12 of us, one from each tribe. I was selected. I was very honored. And we went in and we spied out the land 40 days. Why did it take us 40 days? We spied the whole land 250 miles to the north border. That's that's like 12 miles a day, folks. 250 miles and then 250 miles back. We spied out everything. We figured out we had our research questions. We went through. We said, how many people are there? How big are they? Where's the fortress? Where are the roads? Why do we do this? Is it a fruitful land? Yeah, it was fruitful. I mean, I like manna. It's, it's miraculous, but fresh fruit? It was grape season, folks. Every day, Caleb and I are like, I could get used to this. I mean, it doesn't mean like flowing with milk and honey like there were milk rivers or anything, but there was actually honey. We hadn't tasted anything that sweet for a long time. It was amazing. You heard we brought back uh, some fruit, a big cluster of grapes. I was trying to figure out how to keep them in my pockets, but it's really hard to carry grapes in your pockets. And I didn't even have any pockets. That was the other problem. So, um, so we put them on a pole so we wouldn't crush them. And they were, it was heavy on that pole. And, man, we, it was amazing. The promised land was at our fingertips. Ah, we were so excited. And we, so OK, so you, you do research and you re- research fully, we research the whole thing, and then you have to report faithfully all of the data, everything that's there, right? So we reported faithfully, and, and as we reported it, we as 12, we explained very carefully. And then Caleb and I gave the conclusion. Let's go. Let's conquer it. We can do this. But the guys with us didn't do so much. They were they they changed and they stopped reporting faithfully and they started adding some things. Okay, they were really big people and it was going to be a huge challenge and honestly we couldn't do it. Th- that's okay. We had God with us. We did. That wasn't a problem. But they were like, not just like these guys are big, they're like, these guys are Nephilim, the giants of old. Like They started going on about oh, We're like grasshoppers in their eyes and we can see that we're like grasshoppers too. And I'm like, come on guys, they're big, but you're not grasshoppers? Make this some kind of old kung fu movie or something. No, anyway. So they said crazy things, like we couldn't do it. But the question, I didn't get it. The question was never, can we do it? Can we defeat Egypt? Can we make bread fall out of the sky? Can we get God to move in? We can't do any of that. So now they're like, we can't do it. Yeah, we can't do it. Hadn't they learned anything? We couldn't defeat the Amalekites either. Tell you what, uh, I'm just going to read you what they said. It was so pitiful. We said, let's go at once to take the land. We can certainly conquer it. That was Caleb and I. Okay, so research. Yeah, good. Report. Good. Then you have to respond. Respond with faith. Trust. God. Right? Did they? No. They responded with rebellion. Reaction. Because they didn't see the one thing that was so important. They didn't recognize the one thing that mattered. So here's what they said. The land we traveled through, is it a good land? We're like, yeah, it's a good land. But they said the land we traveled through and explored will devour anyone who lives there. All the people we saw were huge, all the people no, there were a couple giants. We even saw giants, anyway. they went on and on. And then they started complaining. And get this, They said, "I wish we had died in Egypt. We're all going to die. Of course we're all going to die. Question is, how are we going to die? Are we going to die in battle? Or are we going to die whining? Come on. Shape up troops how are we going to die? So they're like, we're all going to die and our children are going to be taken as plunder. And we're going to die out here. And, and what about my, oh, you know, I'm a warrior, but my kids, you know, it's, it's about the family. Oh, right, wimp. Come on. It was fear. Just plain fear. Because they were looking at themselves. They couldn't do it. So they were afraid. And then they got everybody worked up. Our wives and our little ones will be carried off as plunder. Wouldn't it be better for us to return to Egypt? Let's choose a new leader and go back to Egypt. And I'm like, no, don't look at me. I'm not going back to Egypt. I'm no new leader. Why would you go back to Egypt? Don't you remember? That was only two years ago. Don't you remember slavery? Don't you remember the whips? Don't you remember the work? Two years ago, and you want to go back to Egypt. They were not thinking straight. Fear had grabbed them. Moses and Aaron fell face down. Why? Because they were afraid. Not of the people. They were afraid, uh uh-oh, God is not going to like this. God has given us all of this and we've messed up and God has forgiven us over and over and now he's ready to hand us 500 years of waiting and we're like, no, I want to go back to Egypt? So Caleb and I ran out, we're we're like, "Uh, excuse me, (laughs) the land we travel through and explore is a wonderful land and if Yahweh is pleased with us, he will bring us safely into the land. And give it to us. It's rich, flowing with milk and honey. Do not rebel against Yahweh. And don't be afraid of the people of the land. They're helpless. Pray. Helpless. Why? They have no protection. But Yahweh is with us. Yahweh is with us. That's what they didn't recognize. That was all that mattered. And they didn't notice that Yahweh was with us. Sinai, the tabernacle, the cloud, the manna every day, and they forgot Yahweh is with us. They got used to what God gave, how God protected, and they thought that was just normal. They didn't recognize the one thing that mattered. So their response was not faith, trusting that. It was rebellion. Rebellion. They started talking about stoning us. Seriously. We're we're the worst day of my life. We're trying to get them to receive their promise and they want to stone us. Then Yahweh shows up. Yeah. Yahweh shows up. He says to Moses, "How long will these people treat me with contempt? Will they never believe me even after all the miraculous signs I've done among them? I will now disown and destroy them with a plague. Then I'll make you into a nation greater and mightier than they are." God was done. Maybe some of your parents ever been there? Are you kidding? After all that, I am so finished with this. Maybe some of you as friends, too. Are you spouses? Maybe. Um, I am so done with these people. Moses, it's like deja vu. Moses is down on his face, seek, praising, pleading with God, anything. God. Please don't destroy them. Remember your mission. Remember that you want to bless all nations. Remember that the nations know that you are among this people. They forgot. But the Egyptians remember. The Canaanites remember. They all know you're in the midst of this people. If you wipe them out, they'll say, oh, God can't handle those people. And what about your character? You're slow to anger and abounding in love and mercy. And yes, you punish the wicked, but please have mercy. Moses begged God, and God relented. He said, as you've forgiven us all these times, please forgive again. And God forgave them. God is so merciful. God is so merciful. (laughs) If it had been me, I would have wiped him out, but... God is so merciful, but that doesn't mean there's no consequences. And God said, fine, I won't wipe them out. I've heard you, but I'm going to give them what they want. i They think I don't hear, I hear everything. I hear every complaint. I hear everything they said. And they want to die in the wilderness? Fine. They can die in the wilderness. They were afraid their kids were going to die as plunder. Well, their kids are going to enjoy this promised land that they despised. But their kids are going to suffer for their disbelief because they're going to have to wander around in this wasteland For another 38 years you spent 40 days spying out the land let's make it 40 years till these faithless people are done maybe the next generation will have faith god was faithful he kept his promise but he also doesn't force when they said no he said fine I'll fulfill my promise with somebody else. Oh, how terrible. How awful. They thought it it was a big price to to battle. And I don't know what they were thought God was promising that God was promising that you know that they were gonna get to the border of the promised land, and the Canaanites were gonna have a welcome Israelite sign. Come enjoy, have our land what they thought God's promises meant there's no problems there's nothing in the way God doesn't promise no problems did you hear that someplace there's no place in this army for people who think there's no problems following God there's no pro- no place for people following Yahweh who think there's not a problem to follow it's tough out there we're in a battle You don't just say, oh, this is getting difficult. I think I'll go have some tea. It's a battle, folks. God said, they've seen my glorious presence and the miraculous signs I performed both in Egypt and the wilderness. But again and again, they have tested me by refusing to listen to my voice. But he said, my servant Caleb has a different attitude than the others have. He's remained loyal to me, so I'll bring him into the land he explored. Caleb and I got to go in. Let me tell you a little joke. You might not realize. Caleb is a Kenite, which means his ancestors are actually from Esau. He's actually an Edomite. But he was adopted in his family, was adopted into this tribe. So they, he had a good reputation. He was chosen as a representative, but he didn't even have Abram. Oh, Okay, he had Abram jeans. He didn't have Jacob jeans. And yet he had a wholehearted faith. And the purebreds, they had nothing. <laughs> Lily livers. They wimped out. Because there was some fortresses. There was going to be some battles. Let me tell you, there were some battles. love to tell you about the battles. But I had to wait 40 years. 38 more years. To get to the battles. I wanted the battles. <laughs> How much is it worth? How much is it worth? What's the cost? How much would you pay to enter into the promised land and have the battles and have the fruit? I would have paid anything. But you know what? Moses asked, and there was no uh, secession. A lot of people get to thinking that, you know, the cloud was like going off over here, so here's a new church, they have this thing, and some of the really spiritual people go over. No, I was stuck with these people. There's only one people of God. I was stuck with this rebellious people of God. And so, they wandered in the desert for 40 years. Well, not before these idiots decided, okay. God wants us to go in? We'll go in then. But the ark was back there. God had said, turn around, go back. They didn't get the message that it was about the presence of God. They thought, okay, fine. We'll go in then. And they got walloped and slaughtered and chased all the way back. It's not about you. It's about God, what can God do? Is God with us? We had said, is that the question is, is God with us? And they didn't get it even then. They went in without God and they came screaming back. Why did I pick this story to tell you? Instead of the good ones like Jericho and the sun standing still and all those great ones. Someday we'll get to those. I wanted you to remember so you don't repeat. Moses even messed up. So sad. So sad. Entered into unbelief and he he couldn't even go in. So he decided to make use of his time, 38 years in the desert, he decided to write down some things he'd learned in his life. And uh, why did he do that? He said, well, maybe some good can come out of my life. Maybe some somebody will learn something from what I've seen, what I've learned. So he wrote down some things. He got a good editor. He made a wow, fantastic story. I think you've probably read it, although some people don't like to read it. But I hope you've read it. Five-volume, beautiful history of our beginnings. But it shows, every time God told us to do something, gave us some laws, the next thing, we rebelled, we complained, we wimped out. So why did he write it down? So you wouldn't have to. They say experience is the best teacher. But it gives the test first. Experience is not the best teacher. Somebody else's experience is the best teacher. Read our experience so you don't have to repeat it. We messed up. We kept flunking basic training. We'd get a little thirsty and we'd start whining. But not to God, like, please give me something. We'd whine to each other. What's with this place? What's going on? How come God, what about this Moses? Every test we flunked. But then we get to the big test and we failed it big time. Finals week, failure. And we had to repeat first grade. Basic training over and over and over again. But Moses, Caleb, me, some others, we said, this is going to end here. That's why Moses wrote it down. That's why we, we said, the next generation is not going to make this mistake. And I'll have you know, the next generation did not make that mistake. We marched in, we conquered. God went with us just like He wanted to do 38 years ago. And that generation received the promise the others despised. Wimped out on. Didn't see that God could go with them. What a waste! But at least you can benefit from my waste of 38 years. So, um, that's all I got, folks. Let me go get the other guy who was just here. See if he's got something to say. We get some amazing preachers here, don't we? Wow. So, this passage has been a special passage to me <clears throat> through the years. When I was uh, 22, 23, I um, preached my second sermon out of this passage. My first sermon was about weakness. The Bible says a lot about weakness. It was a decent, uh, acceptable sermon. Um, but it was all about my weakness and that maybe God could use my weakness. And then, this was right before I went to Tanzania for the first time for nine months, and uh, I got a hold of this passage, and I realized my weakness doesn't really matter. My weakness isn't really bigger than God. I might feel like a grasshopper. The question is, is God with me? When I got a hold of that, as I was... Preparing and thinking, I I had this little uh, tourist statue that I got into a bad um, deal in when I was in Egypt um, for a tour and took out this soapstone statue of Horus and I smashed it to pieces with a hammer. I said, you know what? And I went to Tanzania for the first time singing, Bebo, be strong, for the Lord your God is with you. That's out of Joshua 1, when he actually got it. Um, and then a lot of stuff happened. We went back to Tanzania. I think you guys remember that. I, I found faith for myself that maybe God could use my weakness to help me to manage myself. Then I went back with the family. You've heard the story. We were sick 40 times. We had a stillbirth. um having panic attacks, all that good stuff. Justin and, and Jan especially were really sick a lot of times. And uh, I was wondering, can I can I trust God with my family, with my kids? Uh, or is this really too much for God to ask? Do I, need to go, um, do I need to go home? Even though God hasn't said he's done, I think I'm done. I was sad, grieving, and uh, came back and preached on Job. You might remember it. Jan cried through the whole thing. And I said, are we going back? She said, I think God wants us to, but I don't want to talk about it. And then we had twins, and they weren't growing very well, whatever. We dedicated them and felt like putting them on the altar. Isaac is putting them on the altar. Um, any of you ever had any struggles with your kids? Hard time putting them on the altar? Hard time um, trusting God with them? Or maybe some other relationships? Um, God put that there, and and... You know, <clears throat> let me tell you a little story about that. Just, uh, so I didn't know if Justin was going to survive because of all those times. And I, I've told you about how we had no idea how they are going to get any education or how they are going to get to college or much less kindergarten because um, we didn't know where they'd go to school and how they, um, what would happen with that and how we could pay for it and whatever else. Um, so... God took care of all kinds of stuff, and I think I told you about the promise God gave to my dad, that you take care of my church, I'll take care of your kids, especially their college education. I asked him a few years ago, so does that apply to grandkids? kind of looked at me, winked, and said, seems to. Um, And uh, God's been faithful to our kids. So uh, you know that Justin has been in Uganda on his own the last two and a half years after graduating from McAllister, and... um, and when McAllister, went to Tanzania and he, he realized there's no mental health stuff, no way to help people with, uh, I mean, there's very minimal. He interviewed the one psychiatrist for 8 million people in northwestern Tanzania. And um, it would be nice to pair that with pastors and other people who could help and they could help each other. That was kind of his idea. Well, he found one person who's doing that kind of research in western Kenya and she teaches at Duke. So he applied for this PhD at Duke. Um, Never mind that I didn't even know. It's a really good school, Duke. It's really hard to get into. There are like 300 applicants for like five spots, and she had one. And uh, other people are applying to 15 programs. He applied to one because he wants this one person, and if God gives it to him, that's what God wants. If he doesn't, I listened to his interview. I said on Skype, I said, well, he was really excited to get an interview. He was like, wow. I said, you didn't do very well. He said, yeah, I know. But if God wants it, he'll help. Um, They flew him back for another interview. Um, And he got it. So he's going to Duke for five, six years. Now, that was the easy part. Getting into the PhD at Duke was the easy part. So you can pray for him. But why did he have the edge over all his other candidates? He spent his life in East Africa. So God does stuff with our kids. If he watches us, if they watch us be faithful and follow, we get to show them some stuff that they can model. And if we don't follow and we aren't faithful, we get to show them some stuff we wish they wouldn't follow. Now, all of us do a mix. There's some stuff I've done, keep doing, that I wish my kids wouldn't be like that. And there's some things I'm glad they, and I'm glad I didn't wimp out on Tanzania for the sake of my kids. Because God hadn't told me we were done yet. God did a lot of cool stuff in Tanzania through your participation. There's 35 people. We had this vision for a indigenous training system for northwestern Tanzania. There's 550 people ministers studying there now. We get to be part of that. Um, So then, yeah, and I've got to be a professor, do that other stuff. And then, uh, you know, as a church, we talked about what stuff has God done for us through the years as a church. Some of you have been here a while. I'm seeing some, some faces that have been here a while. You've seen some stuff. So, so we're just talking about 129000 for a roof. <clears throat> some of you remember when we got into this place, and it was like, wow, that's going to be a lot. We have to pay. And then a lot of negotiations, it came down to, so somebody remember, 300 and some $1,000 for this, this place? Can't buy a house across the street for 300000 now. This is a $3 million place. It's worth putting $100,000 into. God's going to make that happen. When this place, when, when Bethel was <clears throat> dwindling and this Helen Jepson was praying, Bob Forrest showed up and said, I want to start a church. And she said, great, it's yours. And he brought some evangelism. Things happened <clears throat> at some rough times <clears throat> before Pastor Jim came. God was faithful. Pastor Jim was leaving after 26 years. All of us were a little bit like, ooh, what's going to happen now? What happens when a really big pastor, it's a lot of years, leaves? There's a big hole left. What's God going to do? And um, I was praying about that too. And uh, <clears throat> so as I was Preparing for the sermon, I noticed in my Bible here, December 1st, 2016, um, while we were still all praying for a pastor, except the elders and I were starting to wonder, um, well, let's start in verse 5. This is to Joshua, no one will be able to stand against you as long as you live, for I will be with you as I was with Moses. I will not fail you or abandon you. Be strong and courageous, for you are the one who will lead these people to possess all the land I swore to their ancestors I would give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the instructions Moses gave you. And it goes on, I think you know, it ends with, Do not be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Let me be honest, this is a new step of faith. Some of you realized before you hired me that, uh, which was two years ago, um, that I'd never been a senior pastor before. Some of you didn't realize that until I started doing it. I think. Um, <laughs> I knew, and to be honest, my sights were: I hope this thing doesn't fall apart on my watch. <laughs> pastor Jim, it's pretty amazing he's done some amazing stuff and i feel like a grasshopper so i'm just going to come in and we'll see how i think i trust god he's not going to let it fall apart you know what it hasn't fallen apart pretty much maintained it's been an amazing transition actually i don't think we've even really dipped we've had whatever waves maybe but that's pretty cool But okay, two years is over. God's talking to me and saying, you know what? It's time. Transition is done. It's time to set your eyes on the promise that God's made for us. It's not about me. Never has been, never will be. It's about, is God with us? Has He promised us something? Yes. He's promised us that we're going to radiate life and joy as a house of prayer for all nations. He's promised us that the rose is going to bloom in St. Paul. He's promised us. And God's done amazing things. These eight congregations that are here, this all-nations family of churches is amazing. God's not done with Bethel Christian Fellowship, with the all-nations family of churches, with you or me. God's not done with your life. With your family, with us as a family, God has promises he wants to fulfill. What are we waiting for? Okay, let's do our research. You know what, folks? I I taught research methods, and this is one of the passages I used. Research is great, but research is only great if you take in all the factors, and what they were supposed to research was how to conquer the land, not if we should conquer the land. And they forgot the factor of God is with us. And the fact is now a lot of research is done that says we're just going to research this and we're not going to ask the question, is God with us? We're going to ignore that question because we, we can't answer that question. We don't know. So we're just going to re- That's fine. But the original scientists who research stuff said, we want to see how God created the world and how God's doing stuff and how he's faithful, and they saw all this stuff. And that's great. Unless you say, because I've limited myself, there's nothing out there. Because I put these blinders on, there's nothing outside my blinders. Focus, great. Research, great. But take into account all the factors. You got a better explanation for all that's happening in the world, in the universe, in the cosmos, and in your heart? Show it to me. Let's talk. But, research, report, and then respond in faith. Recognizing God is with us. He promised us, I will be with you even to the end of the age. Now, He promised us, make disciples. Go, baptize, teach everything I've commanded, and I'll be with you, right? He didn't necessarily promise to be with us if we don't follow the cloud, right? He said, when you're making disciples, I'll be there. If you want to sit in your butts while I'm going off here, I might not stay with you. Or if you want to run off by yourselves while I'm staying here, good luck. And there's something I want us. I've always applied this, I think, personally. But it's for us as a people of God. I want you to know there is only one people of God. Caleb and Joshua, they were stuck with this people of God till they came around. Most of us are like, well, where is the Spirit leading me? I think this morning I'll go to this church. Well, most of us aren't. You're here, right? Um, some people are like, um, I think this morning I'll see what's on YouTube. Probably a good pastor there. Probably better than me. It's true. But there's not a people of God. It's not about your personal... Sp- okay, the Spirit leads us personally, but the Spirit leads us personally together. You tell me you're in the U.S. military. I'm going to say, what branch? You're going to say, well, I'm, I'm just kind of a, on my own. What? What? You're on your, you know, special operations. Yeah, that's pretty special. There are no Lone Ranger Christians. You can't be in the army of God on your own. Tell me your branch. Tell me your denomination. Tell me your church. That's fine. But don't tell me it's Bedside Baptist or whatever. You are in the people of God if you're in the people of God. Now, that doesn't mean that it all happens in the sanctuary. It happens at your job and with your kids, and when you're changing diapers, that's where the kingdom of God happens. But we do it together. Your special assignment is changing diapers? We're with you. Your special assignment is being a doctor or doing massage or whatever it is? We're with you. Let's impact this city and this nation and the world with God's presence. Can the worship team come? So I want to ask the questions I asked at the beginning again. What has God promised you? What have you received of his promise? What are you still waiting to receive of his promise? Individually, as a family, as a body of Christ. What are we still waiting for? And what is holding you back? What are you afraid of? Let's be honest. Most of us are afraid of something. Maybe it's our own weakness. That's one of my own. But God is with us. God is with you. I don't know what the situation is that you're in, maybe it feels like you're in the wilderness. God's there. We went with Jesus to the wilderness. God shows up in the wilderness. Maybe you're fighting battles. God's there. Look around. Maybe you're grieving for the things you didn't do 30 years ago. God's there. Find a way to use your experiences to encourage somebody else. Whatever your situation is, God wants to be with you and fulfill His promises. Again, this story scares me to death. It scares me to death because I do not want to miss out. I do not want us to miss out. I do not want our generation to miss out. I don't want us to do our research and say, oh, the millennials are leaving and there's so many things in politics and there's a lot of and whatever. Forget the giants. Is God with us or not? Do your research and figure out how we confront the giants. But the question is not us. Is God with us or not? So let's sing. I want you to stand up, and I'm going to invite you to march. If you're ready to march into what God has for you and for us, I'm going to invite you to march. March up here, and see where we go from there. All right? Be Thy God is with thee, strong, the God is with thee, be Amen. May the Lord bless you and protect you. May Yahweh smile on you and be gracious to you. May Yahweh show you his favor and give you his peace. That's the benediction from Numbers. And I want you to know after that it says, Whenever Aaron and his sons, and other ordained people, I guess, bless the people of Israel in my name, I myself will bless them. So be blessed, be bold, go in God's presence, and fulfill the promises he has for you. Be blessed.